What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Blackbird Film Podcast. My name is Jake Benequisto. I'm Andy Favell. Today, we are joined by John Gray. John is a writer, producer, and director who is known for creating the popular series Ghost Whisperer starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. John has lots of experience working in TV, but in recent years, he has focused more on short films. We're excited to talk about his recent short, Extra Innings, which was just featured at our Sunset Cinema Festival. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks for having me. So why don't you start off by telling us, how did you get into filmmaking? Because I'm sure the audience, we, we know a lot of your credits, but we're really curious how you got your start in this industry. Well, you know, it's just something I was very lucky in that I, I knew I wanted to do it from the time I was very young. Um, I mean, like really like 12. I just knew I wanted to make movies, wanted to tell stories. And I was also kind of blessed by not ever at that time realizing how impossible it was. You know, I was from Brooklyn. I had no connections. My father was an iron worker. You know, um, I couldn't be further removed from the film business. And I think that the ignorance of how difficult I, what I was trying to do was really helped me because I, I didn't. I never got discouraged. I just kept going forward. And um, I made a lot of short films when I was a kid. And you know, it's, it's a very long story, but basically, ultimately, I was finally able to get an agent based on a script I had written. And um, uh, and then I started being able to write professionally while we were still trying to get that script made because I wanted to direct that script. And a few years later, we got, we got that movie made. And then I just sort of went on from there. So um, you know, now uh, I'm at the other end of my career now uh, after 30 some odd years. And um, I started getting into making shorts uh, and just kind of rediscovered the joy that I felt as a kid when I made shorts and kind of, you know, the do-it-yourself thing. And so now, you know, while I'm still developing series and still trying to deal with the glacial pace of Hollywood, especially now in, in the time of you know, pandemic, um, the shorts are even more important to me and I have much more fun doing them. So when you're talking about like watching, um, I mean, just starting making short films in your younger years as a kid, around like 12, you wanted to know, you knew that you wanted to do this. Um, I mean, what directors, what filmmakers, what films did you watch that really got you in to filmmaking? Well, you know, it's interesting because at first, when I was very young, I thought I wanted to be an actor because I, I would be affected by something I saw on TV or in the movie theater. And, you know, I just thought the actors did it. And so in the apartment building I grew up in, there was a loading dock behind the building. And so there was a little bit of a raised area. It was like a perfect stage. And so I used to put on plays for my friends in the neighborhood, starring me, of course. And uh, I, it was a lot of fun for all of us. But I used to get frustrated that what, on this, in a stage setting, I couldn't control where the audience was looking. You know, if, I, if I pulled a gun on stage, I wanted to do a close-up of the gun and then the face. And, the, and I started realizing I could do that with a movie camera. That's, that's how I could do that. And so that's kind of how I started that thought of... Um, storytelling, you know, through visuals, and then once I get into that, and I started, I, I borrowed an old camera from an uncle of mine, and and once I started doing that, I realized it's not just the actors. There's there's a consciousness behind the lens that really is telling the story. And that's where I kind of lost interest in acting, luckily for the world, and became more interested in directing and writing, and you know, telling stories in that way. Who are some of your favorite filmmakers growing up, like? You know, who would you say was your biggest influence? Like, I want to make a movie like, you know, Martin Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, like, like who was your guy when you were growing up? You know, I, I really got into classic cinema, you know, at a very young age too, when I was a teenager. 
I loved, you know, watching John Ford movies and Frank Capra. And, uh, you know, I have to say that Billy Wilder was a huge influence on me. Um, I just thought his, and he was a writer director you know, as well. And um, his, his work was so sharp and cynical. And, and so uh, there was so much truth in it. You know, I, I love that. And of course, you know, I love Citizen Kane and all those films had a big you know, influence on me. And then the more modern directors, as, as I got older, um, you know, of course, I was very affected, you know, by, by the people you might expect, you know, the Spielbergs and Zemeckis's and, 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 uh, but Peter Weir, I don't know if you know him, you should know him. He, uh, Peter Weir was an enormous influence on me. And I just feel like he's one of the most brilliant filmmakers out there. And, you know, it got to the point whenever I would go see a Peter Weir movie, I would walk out feeling totally depressed. I would just think I'll never get there. I'll, I'll never get to that level you know, filmmaking. So those are the people who I, I really, you know, kind of, uh, um, I, don't know, I can't say model myself after, but, that, you know, but certainly inspired me and, and I studied their films a lot. And I still, I still go back to the great filmmakers of the 70s, Scorsese, of course, and uh, Sidney Lumet. And, um, you know, all those people were, were brilliant and are brilliant. Sidney's gone now, but um, so I, I think I had, you know, great, also, you know, there's great New York filmmakers. Um, like Lumet and, and uh, Brian De Palma and, and those real gritty New York people who I you know, made films I really related to because I was you know, living in New York, from New York. Uh, so now let's talk about your new film, Extra Innings, which was just featured, as I mentioned, in our Blackbird Sunset Cinema Festival. So it's kind of like two questions in one. How did the idea for Extra Innings take shape and how long was production on this film? Uh, I, I had this idea in this pilot for a sports agent uh, whose father was the manager of a baseball team. And all through the series, you would see them relating and talking to each other and they'd always be in his office. And in the very last episode of the series, as he left the office, we reveal that he's actually in this assisted living facility and he's suffering from you know, Alzheimer's. And we never could get that series made, unfortunately. But I still love that idea. I still kind of love that twist. And so I thought, well, what if I just took the beginning of the pilot and the end of the last season and put those together? And you know, instead of a sports agent, this young kid is actually a sports star himself. And his father was this kind of an accountant who never really fulfilled his dreams. And so once he loses his mind, um, you know, the son has the resources as a famous baseball player to build a world for his dad at this home where he thinks he's this... Is, uh, you know, he's actually the manager of the Red Sox, and and so that's what you know that started. And I love movies with twists. I love doing twists. I love trying to keep people, you know, off off base a little bit. Uh, and it, there's also a personal component to it as well because my mom spent the last years of her life in an assisted living facility, and at first she hated it like with a passion. And I understood it. You know, she had to leave her home. You know, everything that was familiar to her. My brother and I would try to think about what how, what can make this a better experience for her. And I used to fantasize about, you know, my mother was always very interested in Hollywood and always you know, loved that whole Hollywood thing. And I thought, is there some way I can make her believe that she was on a movie set or that she was, you know, at a, at a premiere? And of course, it was just fantasy. I could never really do it. Um, and ultimately, she, she grew to love the place she was in. But that notion just stuck with me about, you know, can you take someone who's stricken with Alzheimer's and create a world for them 
um, that gives them some comfort, makes them think that they're in a place where they've always wanted to be, but can't be. And you know, production of it, it took two days to shoot. Um, that's kind of my model for these short films, you know, um, to try to make them as economically as I can. Uh, I try to come up with ideas that could be done in one location or two locations tops with a minimum cast, of course. And, um, and you know, we shoot them in two days. And that's been pretty comfortable so far. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I shot this one in L.A. because uh, most of my crew that I've worked with for years and years and years are out there. Most of the work I've done really has been in L.A. Um, so uh, uh, I, I find it just easier to transport myself and my wife, who's my producing partner. We just go stay out there for a few weeks and then bring all my crew in. And usually the actors often live out there as well, though, although Peter Weger lives in New York. Uh, we brought him out for it, um, but that's how it, you know that's how it normally works, and it's it's a, been a good model so far. So, like I mean, we were just talking about Peter Rieger, and we recognized two main actors of the film. Uh, Peter Rieger was in The Mask, Traffic, The Sopranos, and T.J. Thine was in, was had um, been featured in The Bones. Uh, how did you end up casting these actors? Um, you mentioned that most of your actors that you work with live in L.A. When you do uh, productions out there. Um, were they exactly who you had in mind for their respective roles? In, in, in the case of Peter, it was, I actually wrote it for Peter. He's a friend of mine, and we did a movie together called White Irish Drinkers, um, which uh, we, that was well, 10 years ago already. But we've stayed friends since then, and we've always wanted to work together again. And when I started thinking about how to flesh this out, Peter just came to my mind immediately because he's got that perfect New York kind of sarcasm, uh, crusty, but there's a very, very big heart underneath it all. So uh, he was easy and, and he was happy to do it. Uh, TJ, um, I, I didn't really know TJ. And uh, I have a casting director who I work with in LA. And I said to them, so look, here's the movie I want to do. Here's the role. It's two days. Uh, we do them with SAG, you know, through SAG, although it's still very little money. And they, they kind of put a breakdown out to, to agents in LA saying, look, here's what it is. John Gray, he's done this, he's done that. It's a short film. And, and then we wait to see who responds, who might be interested. And about four or five actors responded like, yeah, this might be something I'd like to do. And TJ was one of them. And when I looked at his work, he, he, he was instantly that guy to me. He was just instantly this, this reporter because he's so, he's sharp and he's funny. And, you know, you just know, looking at him, he's, he's intelligent. And that, you know, he's also very good at I've Got a Secret, which is a, a key thing for any actor. And you know, I spoke to him on the phone, and he's like the greatest guy in the world, and he was excited to be doing this short film. And, uh, and he said, oh, you live in New York, and Peter lives in New York. Why don't I come to New York? I'll just come to New York. We'll do it in New York. Goes, no, it's got to be an LA. So it's, just, it's a great experience, wonderful guy. And... Um, you know, that, that's pretty much it. And uh, Adelgisa Shermont played the, the nurse, who's also uh, a very well-known actress in, in LA and does a lot of theater. And she was just awesome. They're very lucky with the cast. Yeah, I mean, the cast was, it stood out to me right away. I was like, oh my God, I know Peter Reigert. I know TJ Thine. Like, it's these guys that you've seen in so many things. Like I mentioned The Mask. I've been watching The Sopranos. You know, I rewatch that show all the time. And it's just, you see these actors like TJ Thine and Bones. It's so cool to see them in a short film like this because... You know, when we're watching a lot of these films, it's it's a lot of independent filmmakers. It's a lot of people you may not necessarily have heard of, but to see these actors who have been in so many great roles is really cool to see. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting because you know, so many actors now are more willing than ever to be in a short film if the material is good. I mean, that's the thing. 
if, if they feel the material is something they can you know, get their teeth into and you know um, and you know the advantage I have also is having had you know 33 or something crazy years of experience doing mostly television but also some film um, you know, I've learned how to do things quickly and economically so when an actor comes onto our set they know it's not going to be a 10 you know 15 hour shooting day um, you know, we're all pros. We've all been doing it a long time. We know just what we want. We know it's, it's, there's been a lot of pre-productions. You know. So they're going to do a 10 or 12 hour day and be done. And that helps draw, uh, you know, people the next time, um, you know, who, who want to do something. And during the pandemic, uh, you know, I, I made, uh, back in May, I was supposed to do another short film in LA. And of course it got canceled because of the pandemic. And so I decided to try to do a, uh, a film on Zoom because all of our lives are now about Zoom. So I came up with an idea to do a murder mystery about a Zoom meeting in which people get killed one by one during this meeting. It was a blast. It was so much fun to do. All the actors could stay home. And I got a tremendous cast because they were all so thrilled to be working when they're just sitting at home. You know, and they, I'll, I'll probably be sending you, that, you guys that film next year. <laughs> but uh, um, so, you know, actors are, are, are open. You know, a lot of actors, not everyone, but a lot of actors are open uh, if it's a good piece of material and they can work close to home and it's just going to be a couple of days, um, there's no downside to them. So you mentioned the pandemic and, you know, trying to create projects during this weird time where we're all stuck at home. How have you been spending this time? Is it a lot of writing? I mean, you mentioned that film you just worked on, like, you know, in a Zoom kind of setting. But, you know, what is your like, how do you get creatively motivated in this time? Because it, it must be really hard when you're stuck in home all the time. Yeah, I mean, it sort of is, but the other truth of it is that I'm kind of used to working at home because unless I'm directing when I'm on location, I do all my writing, of course, at home. So it's not like I suddenly have to make this big shift to going to an office every day and now I'm at home. It's already, you know, I have my routine, I've got my way of doing it, I've got a, I've got a nice office in my home. So it wasn't like a big jarring thing in the first place, and I just... I just stayed really busy. You know, I just I keep writing. I've, I've written two other short films, which I hope to do after the pandemic. I'm developing a series, you know, for for the real world, which you know we're waiting to hear about. And um, I did this pandemic movie uh, called Exit Package, and I also had a little horror film that I had shot in New York uh, in December called Household Demons, and we were just about to lock the picture on that in February when we got shut down the pandemic so that was sort of dormant for months and it wasn't until uh like late june we were starting to, to get some of the visual effects trickling in and finally by the end of july that all came in so that kept me busy finishing that film and mixing it and getting the visual effects done you'll, you guys you'll get that film too next year <laughs> uh yeah john so i guess the last question we have for you uh what do you have in store for the future you mentioned that one short film the horror film that'll be out soon uh, you mentioned the series. Uh, is there a dream project that you're trying to get off the ground? Well, there is a there is a horror movie that um, I've been trying to raise money for for a long time. In fact, it's the, it's the it's the project that got me started on short films again because uh, my manager suggested to me that I make a proof of concept piece for this horror to support the horror film, take a sample scene from the script and shoot it. So just to give producers and financiers a sense of how, you know, how scary the movie can be. And so I did that and I hadn't, made, I hadn't made a short film in many years at that time. This is like 2018. And so I got my crew together and we made this film out in LA. It all took place in a morgue. 
uh, and it came out really, really well. And uh, we still haven't gotten the money make for that movie, but we started entering that film at the film festival because it, was, it seemed to be okay just on its own. And, and that's what kind of got me on this kick of making short films. So, uh, but the horror film is something we're, we're very actively trying to um, raise money for. I'm hoping to shoot it next year uh, when this pandemic is over. I'm developing another feature film right now uh, with a single character that's designed to be a COVID-friendly movie to make. Uh, you know, very, very stripped down. And, and so I'm writing that, you know, as well. And um, there's been some talk about doing a reboot of my old series, Ghost Whisperer, which was on CBS. And, um, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're exploring that. But with the quarantine and the pandemic, what's weird is that no one really knows what the world will look like when this is over. And certainly no one knows what showbiz is going to look like when the world is over. So it's been very difficult for networks or studios to commit to what is the next thing um, because no one really knows. So in the meantime, just stay busy, keep writing. All right, John. Well, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And I'm so excited to look forward to your films in the future, especially Exit Package. I'm excited to see that. Why don't you let the audience know, how can we find you? Do you have social media? Like, you, Can you tell us about your production company? Like, Where can we go to find you in the future? Well, you're basically just on Twitter. You know, I'm at uh, J Thomas Gray, G-R-A-Y, just J Thomas Gray. Um, my company is called Overton Avenue Productions, but we don't really we have a YouTube channel, uh, which we're still building. Um, but we don't really have any other social media presence yet for, for that company. Sounds good. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. If you need anything else, let me know. All right, so that's all the time we have for this episode of the Blackbird Film Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our feed on Spotify and follow us on Instagram at the Blackbird Film Podcast. You can also check out our festival's website at www.blackbirdfilmfest.com. Thanks for listening.